welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Peter Rocha, Global Head of Reed Smith's international arbitration practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Arbitral Insights. I'm Peter Rocha, Global Chair of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. And today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Alex Vessas, Secretary General of the ICC International Court of Arbitration, where Alex is responsible for the operational management and coordination of the ICC Court's Secretariat and other dispute resolution services in Paris, Hong Kong, New York, Sao Paulo, and Singapore. And I should start first by congratulating Alex, because he was ranked um, very recently in the global elite thought leaders in Who's Who Legal. So welcome, Alex, and congratulations. And thank you very much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Great. Well, in this episode, we're going to discuss initiatives at the ICC to champion the benefits of diversity and inclusion, and more particularly in relation to the LGBTQIA community in international arbitration. And this is very much in the context of Pride Month. So let me start, perhaps, Alex, by just asking more generally why we should be interested in diversity, broadly defined. Well, it's a very good question. I, th- I think the simplest way to answer that, Peter, is to say that you know, as a, as a disputes community, as an arbitration community, we must ensure that our community reflects the global business community and society at large, I think. And so I do believe that diversity and inclusion, first and foremost, needs to be sort of like part of the offering by arbitral institutions, by law firms, by other service providers, first and foremost for this reason. And then, of course, we all know why, of course, diverse groups and, and communities op- operate better and why, why they actually achieve much better results than less diverse or less inclusive groups. So I think ICC's focus, uh, and when I say ICC, I mean, first and foremost, the, the global international chamber of commerce, not just its disputes arm, then has been working on diversity for many years, primarily for this purpose. And if one then moves closer to dispute resolution and the work that we do at ICC Dispute Resolution Services and Arbitration in ADR more specifically, there has been, I think, a series of many realizations on our side as to how well or how much better we can operate as a, as a disputes community when we start implementing, really, this, uh, this very simple concept. And as you know, we started first and foremost with, obviously, with gender diversity, then moved closer to generational diversity and regional diversity. And it was quite clear, I think, that it's important to then embrace diversity and work on diversity much more broadly defined. And ultimately, this brought us much closer to LGBTQIA and disability as well. So that is basically the reason why I think we're talking about this today. Thank you. I mean, if you could sort of elaborate a little bit more on why LGBTQIA? Well, very good question. I think... Again, if we look at at ICC broadly defined, our core mission is to make business work for everyone uh, every day and everywhere. And therefore, our core mission is all about inclusiveness. And in order to maintain that drive uh, on the notion of diversity of inclusion, we need to be able to 
foster an inclusive environment that will include, of course, those who identify as members of the LGBTQIA community. We need to raise awareness on LGBTQIA-related topics. We need to generate engagement amongst the ICC employees, but of course across the network and, and across all the professionals that we interact with. And I think we need to also work closely in providing a safe space for employees and others to ensure that everyone feels respected, everyone is able to undertake their best work and ultimately not feel that they're discriminated against. And in this context, Alex, last year, the ICC launched the ICC World Business Pride Initiative. I mean, if you could explain how that came to be. Certainly. The ICC World Business Pride Initiative, of, or WBP, as we call it internally, came to be initially, it was developed as an idea by a colleague of ICC working in, in policy, José Godinho, who, who sadly passed away. And, and José's idea was basically to build on those three or four objectives of, of fostering inclusivity, of raising awareness, of, of generating engagement, and, and also ensuring a safe space for, for everyone. And I, I think we owed it to José and his, and his vision, and it is, I think, in his memory that some of us then rekindled that idea and brought it forward in the context of World Business Pride. As with any similar initiative, I think there is a first phase that really looks more towards the internal operation of an organization before moving towards external engagement. And uh, with WBP, we actually did that. Our first mission when this network or this initiative launched a couple of years ago was to ensure that we are in a position to implement a caring culture for our staff and for all our colleagues. And there are there were already, if you like, a number of um, tools or, or processes that had been put in place within ICC that were speaking toward the same goal. For instance, there was an engagement survey that had been prepared and conducted with, with all employees. The way that we conduct a performance review, uh, which we call on a quarterly basis, quarterly connects. The way that we uh, actually proceed on, on inclusion and diversity uh, for other groups already, and a notable example and precursor of WBP is ICC World Business Women that has been around now for a number of years. So I think it was in the context of all of that that we wanted to add the LGBTQIA segment in the context of the internal engagement of the of the organization and as we were doing that gradually we wanted to start implementing a series of external engagements which i can also speak to in a minute and in terms of internal engagements again the the steering committee and the members of wbp which i should say include as much those who would identify as members of the lgbtqia community but also those who identify as allies and it has been such a tremendous, tremendous pleasure to see many colleagues coming forward and actually lending a hand in this initiative. I think it's been, um, for me, it has been a very humbling and a very tremendous experience to be working with colleagues from various departments of ICC uh, towards this very, this very important goal. And in, a, in this first period of activity of WBP, we set out a statement of principles which uh, took the form of a pledge, an internal pledge, we worked with human resources to ensure that, and we continue to do that, of course, to ensure that we have rules and processes in place that are indeed inclusive and are non-discriminatory. And, of course, we hosted a number of internal events 
and collaborated already with World Business Women on a number of initiatives. And we will be also conducting internal trainings in the months to come. So that's in principle what we've done on the context of the internal engagement. Well, a couple of points there, Alex. But, I mean, I'll come on to ask you in a moment about external engagements. But before doing that, just to, to congratulate you on being awarded the 2022 GAR Equal Representation in Arbitration Pledge Award. And this, of course, was for your work at the ICC and inclusion. So perhaps that's a nice way just to lead into a, a little more about the external engagements. Indeed. And it was, it was such a, again, a pleasure to see ICC recognized for its work on inclusion and diversity by receiving this prestigious award. I should say, of course, that it is an honor that was bestowed on ICC as much for its work on building an LGBTQIA network as also on its work in disability. And again, I do believe that I don't think that this takes anything away from the course. In fact, it actually adds so much to it. I mentioned at the outset of our discussion, Peter, how we would like to approach diversity broadly defined. And I do believe that we cannot really speak about inclusion in business and in the workplace today unless we actually foster a view or an understanding of inclusion and diversity that includes every single segment of it. You cannot really work on diversity by just championing gender diversity over generational or ethnic diversity. You cannot be working on disability without also considering gender or LGBTQIA and so on and so forth. So I, I'm, I'm really proud, uh, and I speak, I think, for the whole house uh, in, in having received this recognition from GAR and our colleagues precisely for that reason. The, the GAR award with regard to LGBTQIA, I think, does really speak towards that second part, the external engagement. And it, it follows, I think, the establishment of about a year ago of a, an LGBTQIA network that the ICC court wishes to establish. And so this does fall within the broader umbrella of world business pride that I've just described, but it's slightly more focused, of course, on the creation of an inclusive environment in the context of, uh, of arbitration and ADR, the arbitration and ADR community more specifically. So this does, it ties very well again with the WBP. One, I think, important bridge that shows the alignment of the two is, uh, is the WBP pledge itself, in the context of which we have pledged support to all efforts that cultivate a trusting environment without bias in which people can be themselves regardless of their orientation or their gender. And this is the, the basic premise on which the ICC Courts LGBTQIA network was also established. We want, to the words that I think Claudia Solomon, the president of the court, uh, released at that time, if you are a member of the LGBT community, you belong. And, and that, is, that is the core message. The initiative, the ICC Court initiative, has made a few uh, first steps already. It is in the process of, of course, rallying the troops, if I may use that expression, trying to identify those from within the LGBTQIA community and those who identify themselves as allies thereof uh, to create a network that will then, of course, implement uh, the basic strategy that we have already set out. So 
in terms of external engagement, this part of the initiative it's still is still very much in the making. But I do believe, of course, that it will move forward rather quickly. The second initiative, more recent, is the launch of the LGBTQIA network itself at the ICC. I mean, if you could uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, again, it, it's sort of like the, the internal-external analogy or, or, or activities that we're interested in. And the reason why we really wanted to create this network is try to tie the, that very basic concept of diversity and inclusion that I set out at the beginning of our chat today, Peter, with, with business performance. And for me, this is, and for all of us, I think this is extremely important. We do know, for instance, that there is evidence today that shows that diversity positively correlates with better financial performance. We do know that LGBTQ plus inclusion allows high potential emerging market companies to more effectively tap into global markets and supply chains. We do know that companies that openly support LGBTQIA inclusion are better able to attract and retain talent. And we do know that companies which openly support LGBTQIA inclusion see stronger brand and better customer orientation. So I think it is with all that in mind that we wanted to actually create space for companies, for law firms, for those who work within companies and law firms to embrace not just the that very basic principle as to why LGBTQIA inclusion matters, but also to tie it to business performance results and actually demonstrate why it's not just good for the individual, but it's actually good for, for companies as well. So it is with that in mind, I think, that we've tried to establish this LGBTQIA network on which my colleagues and myself have been working very hard. Absolutely. And that's something that certainly resonates very strongly with me and with my own experience. I think that I've, I've been practicing as a lawyer now for it's coming up for three decades. And I think it's been the last 10, 15 years that we really have made a leap and that bringing your authentic self into the working space is now something that has been recognized and is being encouraged. It wasn't like that when I started. I was not out for a good number of years because I didn't feel comfortable being out at, at the law firms that I was um, working at. And that was a sign of the times as well. Things have evolved. I mean, Alex, if you don't mind sharing with us a little bit more about your own personal sort of experiences and, and, and your, your background. With pleasure. I think what you've just described is something that I fully relate to as well. I, I think I was already out personally, but not professionally. I believe that there was a, a very defining moment in, in my career when I moved to Paris. And I found myself immersed in a community where diversity was actually not the exception. It was a very core part, a very defining feature, if you like, of the group of people that I was working with. And, and I do refer, of course, to the Secretariat of the ICC Court, where you have at least 40 different, 50 different nationalities, people speaking anything between 10 to 20 different languages, people from very different cultural backgrounds. And ultimately, again, the, the stuff that the success of the ICC court and its secretariat is made of really is diversity. 
So in that context, I think inclusivity is just a, a natural, and therefore one does find, for some it's a question of strength, I think for others it's just it, it's just a normal evolution. I think for me it was more the latter. It finds the opportunity and, and the comfort to just be oneself, and it's not such a big deal. And I was very much encouraged to do that by colleagues in a, in a very, very natural way. And I should say straight colleagues, which again, to me, gave me a lot of confidence, which I think one needs in making that step of making themselves known for who they are in the context of a professional environment. I don't believe that that is necessarily the only way, or should I say, I don't know that it is actually always very simple or easy for everyone. And that is why when we speak about bringing our true selves to work as, as you do, and as you've just mentioned yourself, Peter, I think always one needs to remember that it's not we're not imposing anything on anyone, but we're encouraging everyone to consider that if they do want to do that, there is a safe place and a very welcoming place to actually proceed with that. And sometimes it does come, I think, with a bit of a hard realization. I do remember, for instance, once where I was joining a conference call. I won't say exactly when this was because people involved doesn't really matter. This is really beside the point. I was joining a conference call. I was traveling outside of France at the time. And one of the persons, it was, it, it was a call that was being t- taking place in the summer, but I was traveling for business. And one of the persons on the call greeted me by saying, hello, Alex, where are you dialing from? Is it Mykonos? And I thought, well, th- there's nothing intentionally harmful in that comment. But I, because I was actually so much supported in, 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 in the way that I, in a way, came out both personally and professionally, that th- those comments do not matter. I understand why they're made and where they come from, and I can work to process them and actually ideally also show why they, why they can be dispensed with or how some, certain things can be said a different way. But if it was another colleague who was perhaps a bit more sensitive about their LGBTQIA identity or not actually fully comfortable with it, how would they have reacted to a comment like that? So I think in the context of building an LGBTQIA network, there is that element of, again, a caring culture that we all must work on. And that is where I think I try to bring some of my my personal experiences in to demonstrate the point. Absolutely. I mean, I've got some experiences that would be similar to that um, in the past. And as you say, it's it's not about the, the people and things have evolved, but it is now being sensitive and, and more alive to sensitivities of other people as well. And I totally agree with your point about it being a very personal decision. And so it's not designed to make anybody feel uncomfortable, simply to ensure that people are more comfortable in being authentic. So I think that's tremendous. And having allies has also made a big difference, I think, in certainly in workspaces that I have uh, been in. And having people like Claudia, Claudia Solomon, a champion in inclusivity in its, in its widest sense. And I, I think the initiative that you are uh, now pushing forward in relation to disability is fantastic. So perhaps just uh, as, as we end this podcast, sort of moving on to a, a slightly lighter note. So how are you going to be celebrating Pride, Alex? Well, for those who are listening in, we're having this podcast with you in Paris and myself in Mexico City, where I'm currently this week for work. 
Last week, I was traveling elsewhere in Latin America. Next week, I will be in the Far East. And I won't be back in Paris until the very, very end of June, which means that I'm going to miss most of the traditional Pride Month rituals that I associate June with as someone living out of Paris. So uh, there won't be much celebration on the sort of like the social and networking side. But again, World Business Pride and my colleagues, mostly uh, my colleagues in Paris, have actually set up fantastic, I think, lineup of activities of events that started already the very, the very, very beginning of June with a kickoff breakfast with an I, I Care for Colleagues campaign, which was a, a photo campaign with, I should say, something that is, again, so illustrative of the way that inclusivity can work with proceeds from that campaign going to the uh, Outright International to support LGBTQIA inclusion and protection in Ukraine. We have created a series of internal posts through the ICC intranet, which is mostly for our staff, on LGBTQIA icons where members of the staff actually create create pieces with regard to LGBTQIA icons. There will be a delegation taking place at the, uh, or a group of us taking place at the Pride Parade on, on the 25th of June. And importantly, we are scheduling uh, for the end of the month uh, a panel discussion with uh, Open for Business which is a company with which uh, WBP has uh, partnered in order to actually deliver more of the external engagement that I, I mentioned earlier to more people. As I said, there's a series of events, and I'm really, really happy to see that they're getting very good traction with our colleagues. Well, thank you very much, and very warm thanks to you, Alex, for, for joining us for this podcast. I hope that you um, have safe travels and look forward to seeing you when you're back in Paris. And we'll have to organize something, even if it's just after Pride Month, in order to raise a glass. So take good care and thank you very much. Thank you so much, Peter, and happy Pride Month to everyone. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email arbitralinsights at reedsmith.com. To learn about the ReadSmith Arbitration Pricing Calculator, a first-of-its-kind mobile app that forecasts the cost of arbitration around the world, search Arbitration Pricing Calculator on ReadSmith.com or download for free through the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, ReadSmith.com, and our social media accounts at ReadSmithLLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.